Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 60 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. Double Density, your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, a quick housekeeping item uh, following up from last week uh, in our discussion about your facial blindness. I just want to let you know that in the interim, I've gotten a haircut. I'm going to send you a selfie. So that way, when you're walking down the street, uh, listening to whatever you're listening to, you can actually uh, recognize me without an issue. So is that okay with you? Yeah, sure. But I mean, who are we kidding? I'm probably not going to recognize you anyway. I had so much trouble the last time and I see your face every week in the picture in our Skype chat. But no, I'm probably not going to recognize you. Sorry about that. So what you're saying is I should send you daily selfies and make your wife question the kind of relationship we have. <laughs> maybe. So uh, yeah, okay. So just send me a selfie. I'll, 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 I'll take note. I'll maybe put it on my uh, homepage on my phone. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, like don't lock your phone ever. It'll be me. Just total face ID. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, but this evening, Angela, we're not alone. And, uh, you know, I, every time I say that, I think of, of, of Sam and Jason, but really we have a special guest tonight. Um, so welcome to, uh, Desdemona. So evening, Desdemona. Hello. Desdemona is a teacher by day and a person with too many hobbies by night. She's an artist and cosplayer and all around podcast enthusiast. She holds such titles as lore master of the Cyrenide, Iger mastermind, as well as the web designer for the mad scientist podcast, the great Desdemona for our friend Rob's our strange skies, a voice actress for whispers in the night and the co-creator of the upcoming horror comedy podcast calling darkness. She has a bachelor's in English lit and a master's of education in structural leadership technology. And she joins us here live, but not really live on episode 60 of double density. So how are you? you great and it's sirenicide <laughs> oh there we go i uh starting things off in a good hand here angela you know what angela i'm just gonna leave skype you go ahead and handle the rest of the conversation right and just all right see you brian uh, like it'll be a big surprise for me like when the episode gets uploaded it'll be like the best little surprise on earth so uh you are both a podcast enthusiast as well as a uh a graphic designer by by trade but also by hobby i guess mostly hobby <laughs> Um, so I know that Angel's big burning question because he, um, so last week we had launched our, uh, our new, uh, show art and it was kind of like a, a long process for us. And, uh, it was only, uh, I guess like a little bit of what you, uh, go through, um, as a graphic designer. So I guess I'm going to steal Angela's question first and ask a bit about your graphic designing setup. So, I mean, not super complicated. I mostly just draw on my surface tablet, um, and I use Adobe Illustrator. That's the easiest thing for me to use. But I actually started with um, a program called ArtRage because it came free with my original tablet. <laughs> oh, interesting. I've never actually heard of ArtRage. Is it? I guess it doesn't go as in-depth as Illustrator would go. Well, it's meant to mimic traditional mediums. So it's not really a good transfer to like printing and stuff like that because it works in all of the color spectrum. So it if you're painting on something that looks like a canvas, Art Rage is trying to make it look exactly like it would in real life. Oh, okay. Because, so the work you do, I've always found it really incredible. Like you've actually made a few uh, quick uh, turnaround pictures for our podcast. I'm actually stunned how fast you get them done. And is it all like freehand or do you do, like, do you add shapes? Like for the show art we've done for the show, which you're like, if you look at your podcast player, you can see it right now. It's super simple. I have no graphic design skills at all. I basically took some shapes, put them together. Uh, Brian okayed them. He told me what to do. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we changed a few things here and there, but it wasn't, it's very simple. The stuff you do is elaborate, beautiful. It, it works really well. And you get it done so fast. That's the thing that impresses me the most. How do you manage? I mean, it's mostly just practice. I mean, 
Illustrator lets you do tweaks and stuff so that you look like you freehanded way better than you really did. <laughs> but also like the layering helps, you know, I sketch out something completely. I'll have to send you one day, like just one of my original sketches. I've sent some to um, into the portal before because I've done so much art for them. So they've gotten, and Rob too, he's gotten, you know, pictures from me that are like a post-it note draft. <laughs> and sometimes awesome. like for him, like it never fails. He always um, asks for art on a day when I'm like about to be in a meeting all day. So I'll <laughs> sketch something out on a post-it note because I'm bored in this meeting that's lasting all day. And then I'll actually just upload that into Illustrator as like the background image and then start freehanding over it. <laughs> Has anyone caught you during one of these meetings like doing one of these? Because I had a very awkward incident because I have like a newish boss who caught me like not necessarily doodling, but I work best when I have someone talking to me and I listen to them while uh, drawing or whatever. And she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, you know, nothing. These are just blocks and a really shitty robot. <laughs> Uh, and so like, I felt very like odd about trying to explain what I was up to. So I was wondering if you ever like, like had to deal with that. Actually dealing with that as an educator is a lot easier because we learn as educators that different people process information differently and you learn differently. And so they're like pretty much every boss and every meeting situation that I've been in for education, they realize that that is actually a way for me to process information. So they're just entertained by what the heck I'm going to come up with today. (laughs) (laughs) Are they aware of your, like your kind of like sideline and like helping, especially like a lot of podcasters kind of uh, get that visual aesthetic that they need? Like, have you, is this something that you talk about on a daily basis at your, like your normal job? Um, probably too much (laughs) because you know, they're all people that are like, what, why what, what's a podcast so i mean they all know what it is now but they still don't care <laughs> they're they probably oh that started with that show serial right <laughs> they're not even that much in the know they're oh, just wow. podcasts are those things that i talk about <laughs> <laughs> so right now you use surface you use illustrate but uh, so you're talking about before about your first tablet so this is pre-surface but before that like were you um doing things like exclusively like via computer or really like did it start when you got your hands on a tablet? Um, I mean, I think I've always done stuff artistically. Like the room I'm setting in right now to record is kind of a storage room and I have a giant pile of canvases. So I started traditionally, I've done a lot of just sketching and painting on canvas and stuff like that. And just about a year or so ago, like I, I had the tablet, but I had one of those, um, Wacom tablet so you like oh, look at the screen right, yeah. and then you yeah. you know you can't see what you're drawing <laughs> yeah um and I had one of those and I would play around with it but I just decided about a year ago like uh I guess the story was I was doing cosplay and I had just finished up one and I really wanted to start on another one but they're so freaking expensive and I was like maybe I should actually start this whole like drawing on the computer thing and take it seriously because then maybe I could afford my cosplay. (laughs) (laughs) And has it been working out for you so far? It actually has. I mean, it took a little while to, you know, start going, but I could definitely, you know, I've paid for quite a few cosplay things and I have, you know, enough money built up that I could start another one. So that was my goal and I'm, I'm getting there. That's amazing. How long have you, Oh, sorry, Angela, go ahead. I just said, that's amazing. Uh, Cause I was curious, like how long have you been cosplaying? Um, officially just about the same amount of time like a little bit two years or so 
And what was kind of like the, the starting point for you? Like what made you decide like this is something I love doing? Well, that's why I say officially cosplaying because um, I grew up in a family that's like every year you go because we live in Texas. So you have to go to the Texas Renaissance Festival. Oh, okay. My mom's a seamstress. So we always went entire family in costume. You know, one year everybody's pirates and the next year, you know, my dad and all my brothers are in kilts and whatever my mom decided to sew. So I had probably 10 different fairy costumes growing up whoa okay <laughs> uh, so that's my unofficial cosplay because that's my mom just making me stuff because i'm like hey i want to be this kind of fairy this year um and then my husband and i started going to the local conventions and just like hey let's give it a try i have experience watching my mom make all of this stuff and he actually wanted to do it so um, we threw together our first cosplays, which was, uh, he was Roadhog from Overwatch and I did the Junker version of D.Va because I didn't want to be Junkrat. <laughs> um, I, and so do you guys play Overwatch too? Um, we did. I mean, he still plays a little bit more than I do. I kind of spend all of my time drawing and listening to podcasts. So. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm hearing is that Angelo, you have like, you got to up your game with your family. Like how many Renfears have you and your family been to so far? Sadly, none. But just to, to say, my mom is also a seamstress. My dad's a tailor, although they're, they're long retired at this point. But my mom, any chance she gets to make my daughter a dress, she will make her a dress, costumes. She made my wife's wedding dress as well. Um, but I never really, uh, I was never into costumes as a kid, unfortunately. But the cosplay stuff now is just mind-blowingly amazing. I've seen some of your Instagram posts, and the stuff you do is amazing. Thank you. You have these two really strong creative outlets, and now you're going to be starting another one with the podcast you're going to be working on. And uh, you do voice work as well, right? A little bit. Um, I haven't you know, done anything huge or anything, but I have little pieces here and there. I brought this up before, and I, I think I tell Brian on a daily basis, is my whole point for starting this podcast was so that I can get creative with audio and writing. Although the writing stuff, I've kind of put it to the side and Brian handles that now. I thought we started this because of your utter loneliness. Well, that's just mean. But I guess not. <laughs> um, that is, so what made you decide to go from like, like a listener podcast to like um, provider of voices on podcasts and doing voiceover? Like what was the, the sort of like the switch there that you're like, you know what, I'm going to give this a try. Okay, so I'm going to have to call out a friend on this one because I kind of always just wanted to. And um, from our gaming pursuits, like I had a Blue Yeti mic. Um, I had a decent headset, um, I have, you know, a decent computer and all of that. So I had the equipment, but really um, I started talking to a friend um, from the No Sleep, no Sleep Book Club, uh, Charlotte, and... She started sending me casting calls and all of that. And then she actually started the group that started the podcast that we're going to be making. But she really just was like sending me all of the information. Like, here's how to set up your mic. Here's this. Here's that. Here's a casting call. And, you know, a lot of motivation when you have somebody just constantly messaging you things that are encouraging you to try it. So I was like, well, screw it. I'll go send a couple in. (laughs) So it's all Charlotte's fault. And how long ago was that? Literally less than three, four months. Whoa. Okay. So the, you're kind of new to this, but it sounds like you're already finding some like measure of like 
comparable success, you know, like diving just right in. Cause the people, a lot of people, like they always say that they want to do things where right? I feel like in your case, it's just the inverse. You, you do what you want to, uh, like when you want to. So it's kind of really interesting to um, talk to you because as Angela was saying, like you do voiceover work, you are great at cosplaying and you also like, you're a very technically proficient and a great artist. So I guess like, where do you draw your inspirations for all these different things from? Artistically, I mean, it's something I've always done. So I just like, you know, come up with ideas or whatever. But I also pester the crap out of my husband like, hey, <laughs> you have any ideas? <laughs> so he's used to that. Um, I mean, cosplay, obviously, it comes from video games and anime. So I've done D.Va. I've almost finished Amethyst from Steven Universe. Um, I've done Megaman from Konosuba. And I'm working on Saber right now from the Fate series. So, you know, it's just uh, characters that I connect with or like or really like their outfit. (laughs) Right. So it has to be like something that like visually appeals to you. Right. And obviously, like the character has to be somebody that I can identify with a little bit, because as much as I can do like voiceover work, I am completely introverted, like in person. Like, I'm not going to go and act a fool in front of people. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the nice thing about podcasts is that you can do whatever you want and it's not live or anything. So you can fix things once you're editing it and make yourself sound as good as you possibly can. I mean, you should hear the garbage that we have to edit out of these podcasts. And the fun thing is, is that you can really still manage to express yourself and have a good time with it because if you want to be doing this and you end up being nervous in front of people, that's no fun. But if you can stay in the comfort of your own home, like right now I'm podcasting in my PJs and I don't care. Do you have like the little stocking cap with the little bulb at the end too? <laughs> no, I don't. No. So it doesn't want a question for you. And I, I, we always want to ask this to people like, what are your first like computer or like video game memories? Okay. So, um, it's the nineties. And my oldest brother, who's 10 years older than me, had just got out of the Navy. So he came back to live at home for a few years and he got us a computer. He got the Internet. I still remember the password was had to do with his motorcycle. (laughs) (laughs) That was the Internet password for the dial up. Um, And we had a drawer full of floppy disks um, with the original Doom. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so I remember playing that, but then I also remember um, the, you know, the Mist games? Yes, of course. Of course. Exactly. So my um, my middle brother had the ribbon set that was like nine CDs long, and I would sit like next to him and help him make decisions while we played through that. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys are aware of this just as a note, but there is a Kickstarter that just closed for actually the, the Mist 25th anniversary um, and they're offering like all kinds of like super crazy perks that go up into thousands of dollars. And the only reason I know this is because my coworker has been telling me about this on a near daily basis for oh god, like he's, so he's donated, he's given like, a, I think it's like the $125 level, but like this goes up to a couple thousand because they have like replicas and things like that. So if you have disposable income, you might be able to get in on this if you're like a missed fanatic. No, but I do remember setting with say my middle brother, he's only eight years older than me, but um, he would play through them. And so I would watch him play and help him make decisions. And like, we had a notebook full of all the, you know, notes that we needed to take. Oh, nice. One of my earliest computer memories is, uh, I remember my friend and I, so my mother forced, um, 
this kid Evan to play video games with me and I was playing doom and I didn't know how to incorporate him into doom. So he was the guy who pushed the space bar to open the doors while I shot things. <laughs> so he had to do oh like God. a two man system. I did the same thing with friends because you were able to, it, it, you actually got a lot accomplished that way. Yeah. But in my case, it was like forced gaming, right? Cause my mom's like, you're not doing this alone. He's here standing in the corner. So just like make him do something. Oh, so you're like a sad gamer there. Yeah. It was a really sad kind of situation all the way around. Well, I'm sorry that ruined your memory of Doom, Brian. <laughs> ah, I'll live with it somehow, <laughs> some way. But do you remember like the first computer that you bought on your own? I, I had a lot of like hand-me-downs for a really long time. So it's really kind of hard to put a like finger on it. But I do remember right. the first um, one that I built. <laughs> okay. Because, um, you know, PC person, um, my husband and I like ordered all of the parts from all the different places on the web or whatever. And I remember he had never put one together before. I had no clue what the heck we were even buying. (laughs) Um, And so we took all of those parts once they finally got in the mail and we drove to our friend's house who lived like 30 miles away and put it together in the middle of his floor because he knew what he was doing and we wanted to have somebody on hand in case we screwed it up. (laughs) Yeah, it can get, uh, sometimes it could get a little complicated because of all the drivers and stuff that Windows has to worry about. Oh, here we go again. No, it's not a bad thing. I think that's the best thing about a PC is that you have all that choice. You have all that flexibility to do whatever you want. And Brian, I've said it before, if I could build my own Mac and just put Mac OS on it, that's what I would probably do. You could Uh, though. You can make a Hackintosh. It's not the same (laughs) thing. Like iMessage doesn't end up working and don't get the updates properly. Oh no, you don't have to look at your phone when your family messages you? That's not a big thing. No, sorry. (laughs) But I I prefer having uh, like getting it. Also, I'm lazy, right? So like I don't feel... (laughs) Right, you want it out of the box. Yeah, I I do like my nice screen on my nice iMac. Uh, But speaking of nice screens on nice computers... uh, if I were to buy a Windows machine, it would probably be a Surface. And how much do you like your Surface? I love it. <laughs> and that's what I hear everyone say about Surfaces, is that people that use them really like them. Yeah, it's it's fabulous. I do 100% of my drawing on there now. Like I was actually cr- trying to create something for my husband today, and I started to do it on my desktop. Because it wasn't something that I needed to draw. Like I could use squares and circles and stuff. And... I get so frustrated with it, like save it to Dropbox and <laughs> I opened it on the surface and had to read, like start from scratch because I was just so frustrated with not being able to see what I was doing and work on the surface. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes a difference when it's, it, it's much more tactile. You're right on the screen drawing it. And I, people love their Wacom t- tablets, but it's not the same thing. It's not. And it feels, it feels really nice to draw on it. I also think in the case of the Wacoms, a lot of the time too right now, because they, they've been in for a long time, I feel like a lot of people who've been using it for the last 10 years tend to just keep going back to the well, whereas like people who probably would have had a chance to try the Surface would have probably like switched over had, had they had the chance to use it. Because I have um, two friends in particular who still use their tablets and they haven't had the chance of like using um, like a newer Surface. So I feel like the second they get to touch one and start using it, I feel like they're going to slowly switch over. I mean, if they can afford, like, for me, the price difference originally was I could spend $200 and get the, the the little tablet and use the computer that I have. And so I just had to wait until I was financially in a place where I could buy the service. <laughs> in your case, it's an investment that pays for itself in the end. 
Absolutely. And I mean, that's why we finally did it, because it's like, okay, I'm doing this often enough that it's an investment that's worth the money. The the Surface Studio, um, that's the one I, I think I'd love to get. It's such a cool looking computer. Have you um, have you actually seen one in person? Either of no. you actually? No, I haven't. Uh, and like, I'm looking at the price point right now. This is almost like six thousand bucks. Yeah, that's the other problem with it. Unfortunately, <laughs> is like people say Macs are expensive, but the 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 Surface uh, Studio is extraordinarily expensive, especially here in Canada. Even though, know, like on a Mac, we don't. I don't really worry too much about specs because as long as you get like a mid range model, you're fine. But uh, the specs on that very expensive Surface Studio are not like amazing. I don't even think it comes with an SSD. So the Surface Pro though, uh, which is what you have, is a really good machine and it works really well. And uh, I think that and the iPad Pro have made it, have made drawing uh, digitally such a much easier thing to do now. Well, and I actually picked the Pro because I could draw on it, but also because of the SSD, because I wanted something that I could put in the other room to do recording on. Oh, okay. And so I wanted that. I wanted something that was going to be quiet and not have any extra noise. Yeah, that's that's one thing I do appreciate about my iMac. It's uh, it's a giant machine, but it's super quiet, uh, and I don't really have to get too much fan noise. The only noise I have to get off of my recordings is when my cat makes noise, or uh, like last week, or was it two weeks ago, Brian? The, the garbage the truck, truck passed by. Yeah. Which oh yeah, hear. I forgot. To, yeah, and I forgot to tell you, they didn't pick up the the recycling again today, so they're probably going to pass by soon. Are you going to call them? No, I'm not going to call them. I'm going to run out of my pajamas and complain. You know what? That'd be like the full suburban move right there. <laughs> Let's just throw a newspaper at them. <laughs> uh, switching gears, though, from um, your uh, kind of like uh, your graphic design career to uh, podcasting, uh, you have an upcoming horror comedy podcast called Calling Darkness. So I'm kind of curious uh, if you'd like to illuminate our listeners a little bit about what it's all about and um, sort of like what made you decide to want to uh, get involved in this in such an active way. Okay, so um, I kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier or called Charlotte out. So she was doing what she did to me to several other people that were wanting to get into voice acting. And I think she got tired of sending out um, six different notices every time she found a (laughs) casting call that we would be interested in. So she created a little Facebook messenger group, um, which was called Casting Calls. Um, And about this was literally a month ago today (laughs) um, that uh, one person in the group, Gemma, was like, we should just make our own podcast. Like, what are we doing here? Um, and of course, we just kind of joked about it a little bit. And then stuff actually started coming together. So we have two amazing writers. We have Gemma Amore and uh, S.H. Cooper, both uh, who have written for the No Sleep podcast before. And then um, there's the rest of us voice actors. And we're all co-creating, coming up with the plot and everything. And it's just amazing how well this group of voice actors have just thrown this together. <laughs> like the plot, everything is just fell into place. It's, it's just amazing and perfect. So it's comedy horror, um, mostly horror, a little bit of comedy. Um, and the premise is... Some actors, uh, well, technically six actresses, um, are working. I'm going to be a coach character, and we kind of accidentally summon a demon. 
fun. <laughs> so that's where the horror comes in, and it, it will be real horror. Um, if you've listened to any of uh, S.H. Cooper or Gemma's stories over at No Sleep, you know that they, they're going to terrify you. And is there um, a start date for when this is coming out? Um, we haven't nailed down anything. We have goals, but I'm not going to say anything specifically. But, you know, people can follow our shenanigans over at uh, Calling Podcast on Twitter or just look up the Calling Darkness podcast and we're on all the social medias. So because Angelo is an audio nerd, you had mentioned your Blue Yeti before. So uh, we're kind of curious about your uh, recording setup. Um, so as you're speaking to us tonight, you obviously have some kind of setup going on. So we're kind of curious about that. It's nothing fancy. I'm still using Audacity. <laughs> hey, don't knock it. I love that. If I had to, so if I had to go back to a PC, that'd probably be like the the one program you use for everything. Yeah. So, I mean, I had my Yeti already. I probably have had it for a couple of years, really, um, just because we've done, um, say, my husband and I play games. So we've played Overwatch and we, we've ran guilds in World of Warcraft before. So I just always wanted to have a decent mic and... That's the only reason why I had had that one. So, you know, I got a little pop filter and I use my Surface so that um, it's quieter. <laughs> and I have a Charlotte-inspired box full of soundproofing stuff to stick my mic in. <laughs> <laughs> See, I feel like you get it, right? Because the things that, like, uh, in order to get creative sometimes, you have to get creative with the space. So it sounds like you already have um, that in mind for for Calling Darkness already. Yes. And I think we all kind of, everybody there, we're, we're all amateurs when it comes to voice acting. But some of the ladies that are working on it, you know, they're starting to get some roles in some shows, too. So there should be lots of cool things coming from it. Not just our show, but you'll get to hear everybody's voices and other shows, too. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I, I have to get creative with my space because I'm literally in the middle of my living room because I don't have an extra room to go put this in. And I have, right now I have a few pillows on my desk and a um, Rapunzel uh, blanket on my desk so that I can be a little more muffled and not bounce off, uh, have my voice bouncing off my desk. Any scented candles? No scented candles. Actually, my wife had lit one last night and as I was going upstairs to bed, I noticed a weird orange glow in the living room and I had to go uh, blow it out because I'd completely forgotten it was there. So it wasn't an orb? No, it was not an orb. I have not <laughs> seen any orbs in my house uh, yet. Hopefully there won't be any. And uh, my door to the basement isn't uh, trying to open itself tonight. We're just like, these are all good things about where you live, I think. That, like you live near a UFO hotspot. Your house might be slightly haunted because you don't celebrate its birthday. Uh, you hold uh, the blankets of Disney princesses close to you. It's very, very endearing. It's cute, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's also creepy, but yeah, let's go with, with cute. Just, it's adorable. <laughs> Thank you. I, yeah, I, you know, similar to, to you, I, I already had like the stuff I needed to podcast. So I was kind of lucky when Brian suggested we start a show. I had an old microphone from when I was uh, recording music and I just needed an audio interface and it worked out fine. And the Blue Yeti is the mic is like the go-to mic from, if you go read any podcast uh, like suggestion thing, they always suggest the Blue Yeti because it's it's not super expensive, it sounds good, and it's USB, which people seem to like. I'm pretty sure uh, whenever I got it was because I had heard of it on podcast, and I was like, yeah, that one's good. <laughs> yeah, it, like a few of the podcasts I listened to uh, before they became like professional podcasters, uh, that's the microphone they would use. And now, like, now that they're pros, like they have... Uh, 
they're like using the high-end Shure mics or whatever, or Newman mics that cost like five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars. That's very, uh, very true, Angelo. Uh, but I know that you're pining for like the, the higher end mics anyways. Eventually I, I have my eye on that and it's not even that high end. It's the, the Shure Beta 87A, which a lot of uh, tech podcasters seem to really like, but I don't know. I think my little standard SM58 sounds pretty okay. Here's an idea, right? Okay, hear me out. Angelo, you need to start entering cosplaying contests as Tim Cook and just see where you go with this. <laughs> Great. I'll, Anything uh, with a cash prize. Yeah, I could try. I don't really look like Tim at all, though. But that's the magic of cosplaying, Angelo. I don't think you oh, understand. That's true. Oh. And you're talking to someone who's been to many, many cons here. I think you could pull it off. No, I doubt it. I'm not very good at that. <laughs> at pretending to be another person? Oh, well. <sighs> all right, well. He's from, he's from Alabama, I think. I'd have to practice my, my southern drawl. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll send you our all expenses paid two weeks um, as like field research. To Alabama? Yeah. Okay. And then we'll just have you come back and see where you, what happens. Would your wife be okay with this? No, she would not. We, uh, we've already uh, have our vacation budget uh, done for this year. So no, an extra trip down south would not be, uh, would not be in the uh, price range right now. Well, I feel like we've beaten the the joke horse to death here. So let's get back to uh, to being very serious. I mean, I'm in Texas. I can always just coach him to get the yeah, southern could you? accent. There you go. I can yeah. bring it out. Yeah. That that twang. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Are you a voice coach or do you just play one in a podcast? <laughs> I just play one. Uh, well, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, neither do we like half the time I've come to realize. <laughs> Ah, switching gears though. <laughs> um, so Desdemona, you work in an educational environment. And so Angela and I always talk about like the things that we um, encounter in our everyday lives um, professionally that agitate, aggravate, astound, and amaze us. So I'm kind of curious, like in your day to day, like what kinds of things have you seen tech wise or tech usage wise that you're kind of like, you, it gives you pause. Like you stop for a second, you kind of have to wonder what's going on. So I'm curious if you have any sort of like tales from your part of the world. So it's mostly a lack of use. Or like a lack of willingness to like try to figure it out. <laughs> well, that counts. Okay. That definitely counts. So that totally counts. I have a like I have a, I guess a, a pretty decent story. So I um my campus that I work on, we were trying to create these alternative schedules for the students for a day. So like we couldn't put it into our magic little system and print everything out. Like they needed it to be done a certain way. Like a way outside of the system. So for thirty minutes, these kids knew where to go, but. It wasn't something that had to be permanent. And so created this beautiful spreadsheet where we figured out where all the kids were going to go. And they were like, well, we're going to print out everybody's schedule and then we're going to put their place and we're going to glue it to the back of it. And so they literally took something that could have been done with actual like control C, control V. Oh my God. They and they were cutting cut and, paste. and pasting. And I watched them do this for like three hours. And I thought like I was oh, going no. to die. Um, and so we have to oh do this God. again, like every single nine weeks. Um, and I told them at the middle and like beginning, <laughs> middle end throughout this whole process that they were doing it wrong. And so finally at the end, I was like, look, guys, you don't even have to think about it next time. I will handle it. I will handle all of it. And so this process that took them literally half the day, I did in 45 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> of course. Oh, man. This is why computers exist. Wow, literal coffee and pasting. And I printed them and I cut them and they look so pretty and professional and there was no glue involved. Wow. 
people sometimes seem to be satisfied with mediocrity. Do you think it's like just a lack of like understanding the tools at their disposal or like and how they get used in different ways? Because it sounds like they're in front of a computer for most of the day. They should be able to sort of figure out what the computer does. I can't understand if it's like they're afraid to look and figure out something they don't know, like they're going to break it. Or uh, if they just have this like, I don't know, so I can't attitude, like. Nobody showed me how to do that, so I can't do it. Like, so do people now look at your work like a wizard? <laughs> like the wizard of computers? I mean, they pretty much already did from then, like <laughs> before then. And then I think they finally just got tired of me bitching at them that day because I just complained so much. I was like, you guys are hurting my brain so much. Why are you doing this? But yeah, I'm the go-to unofficial tech person. Uh, yeah see yeah so that's the same uh title my wife has at her school uh she's a teacher and uh yeah they go to her but the nice thing is is that they they approach her and they do ask her and not just start copying and pasting stuff with photocopiers and glue and they just you know they if they have a question they'll take the time and ask her and she'll help them out so what you're saying is like she should be doing this podcast not you i've asked her if she ever wanted to be on the show and it was a definitive resounding no yeah. What if we framed what if we framed an episode that was like tailored to her interests? Like how much that she has to put up with you and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, maybe. We can talk she, about that. Yeah, she'd be really happy to talk about that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she she and she listened to in her defense, she listened to the first few episodes and she thought it was okay. But she hears she hears half of the conversation or today it's a third of the conversation. Uh she's upstairs right now doing work on her computer in our room and um She's, I guess, copying and pasting stuff. I can't get over that. It's unbelievable to me. It's 2018. Yeah, like, we're to be, like, 1998. I think I understand, like, a little bit of, like, how that works. But based on the fact that, like, you, like, people have had now, like, decades of of time in front of a, a computer and, and use it for, like, the most basic functions. Like, that sounds like the kind of person, instead of copying and pasting, would just retype entire sheets of paper. Exactly. And, I mean, it was essentially, like, if you imagine the task, it was, like, you have two spreadsheets and you just need to match them up. It wasn't a complicated task at all. <laughs> so there are no pivot tables. <laughs> no. Oh, man. Pivot tables. Those give me nightmares. Uh, I had to work. I had to work with a bunch uh, at my old job and uh, trying to pull info from like four different sheets all at once was not uh, a fun time to have. So, you know, like on the complex side, I can kind of understand, but like control C, control V, that's uh, like, are you planning on giving workshops from here on out of like basic computer usage? I've actually had to give a basic Twitter um, workshop oh. for for my job. Um, yeah. <laughs> Hold on. I'm getting comfy here because this sounds like a really interesting kind of. Uh, so <laughs> was there like an issue that was raised or people were just like, what's this this Twitter thing? And like, how is it different from MySpace? Well, um, we were doing we had a assistant principal who we no longer have, who was really, really gung ho um, about having us do book reads as a campus so we're gonna ha- not really a book club but like let's read a professional development book and you can get some professional development hours if you participate in the conversation um so he was gonna you know create a hashtag and at eight o'clock on wednesdays you can answer his questions on twitter um and he decided that to tell everybody who asked him how to use twitter because we had already had an official t- training from the actual tech person on campus 
So if they didn't learn from him, they were like, okay, well, um, go see her. <laughs> and so I had these people. And it was mostly like the old oldest people on campus that I had to get their phones out and walk them through how to do it. And then we still like once we finished the the book chats and everything, we did a tech presentation um, at our district level where we talked about how the the chats affected our campus. And we had a testimonial come with us, which was one of the people who I had to give the tutorial to. And she um, had actually forgot to use the hashtags on the first chat. So she couldn't figure out why nobody could see her answers to the questions because she was just (laughs) typing away her answers because she could see that he was sending them, but she never used the hashtag. Angela, you've never had to use Twitter like in a professional context, right? No, not at all. Uh, okay. Oh, wait, wait, wait. When I was in recruitment, did we use Twitter? I used Twitter, yes. You didn't. But I, I didn't. I was the one that did all the Skype calls. Yes, you did a lot of Skype calls. You know what? But, like, good for you for, like, wanting to, like, be the beacon of, like, knowledge out there. I try. <laughs> Speaking of hashtags, though, and I don't think I've, I've said this on the podcast before, but um, some months ago on Instagram, there was this couple who were clearly very white trash who had managed to amass enough money to rent out the uh, the local, like, um, NHL arena to have their wedding. And uh, so this this story made the, the local people here. Wait, and, they, they rented uh, out the Bell Center? No, they rented out the, the forum, like the old NHL. Oh, arena. the old forum. Oh, wow. Yeah, like okay. all of it, all of it. And like there's there's pictures and like all this stuff. And then uh, so my fiance and I got really interested and started checking the hashtag that they used. And we discovered all of these. So the hashtag they had picked for the wedding wasn't particularly like like personal or unique. And uh, so they started, uh, this couple started attacking other people's photos for using a seemingly random hashtag uh, that had nothing to do with the wedding when you really thought about it. So they spent hours at a time um, cyber bullying people who had the misfortune of using a hashtag that sort of looked like the wedding hashtag. What was their wedding hashtag? Do you remember? Uh, I don't remember. After all that. <laughs> I know. I'll, I'll find it. I'll find it and I'll send it to you guys. But I don't remember what it was. But yeah, like it was just hashtag it was, so they can bully us. It was the saddest case of cyberbullying because they couldn't type it all either. So it's kind of one of the things that drives me insane is like really poor grammar. And it it was in full force, like super, super awkward. You want to bring out the, the, the anger in Brian tweet at him a, any sort of annoying criticism and make a spelling mistake. He's going to get really pissed at you. Yeah. Like the one thing we had a couple, like last month where someone said that we were wrong about Apple, but then spelt everything wrong too. So yeah, yeah, he made it, he made you angry. You don't like well, Brian he when he's angry. He didn't, he didn't even spell <laughs> Apple right. So like, if you're going to come and talk to us about Apple, A-P-P-E-L, it is not. Uh, Appel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and with that in mind, guys, uh, I will see you in the paranormal section. My name is Ryan Sprague. When I was 12 years old, I saw something in the sky that I couldn't explain. And I've been searching for answers ever since. And now, I want you to join me on that search. As part of Entertainment One's podcast network, this is the Somewhere in the Skies podcast. Every week, I sit down with people in all walks of life to discuss UFOs, the paranormal and esoteric, and just plain weird. From the worlds of academia, psychology, theology, science and tech, entertainment and art, and everything in between. We dig deep back here on the ground to find those ever-elusive answers somewhere in the skies. New episodes every Monday available on all major podcast outlets and at somewhereintheskies.com. Remember, 
keep your feet on the ground, but never stop searching somewhere in the skies. Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. First things first, though, Angelo, I wanted to throw to you because you have a little bit of something to say. Well, we just heard uh, the Somewhere in the Skies promo by Ryan Sprague. It's a great show. Ryan gave us his promo to put in the show, and I thought it would be a good idea since we just talked about his book in the UFO Book Club on Our Strange Skies. And uh, I often, for some reason, I always end up saying like those two podcasts, uh, both by uh, one by Rob Christopherson and one by Ryan Sprague. I often make a mistake in my head, even though they're two completely different shows. But just because there's the word skies in there, it screws up my brain because I'm getting old. Inside Angela's mind here on Double Density. (laughs) <laughs> uh, three more hours of psychoanalysis. Yes. No. So anyway, all that to say, both are great shows. And we did our UFO book club on the book, Somewhere in the Skies. And that was the promo for the show, Somewhere in the Skies. Convoluted, but here we are. Double density. So uh, Desmond, what I'm, uh, I'm curious, like what are some of your earliest memories of like encounters with the paranormal? I'm not talking like specifically like your encounters with the paranormal, but like something that you had read or seen or heard um, that kind of attracted you to sort of like this um, side of life. So my family is pretty much a hundred percent. Every person in my family believes a ghost or something. <laughs> um, even if they don't really specifically have a story. So I remember my dad telling me a story about a box moving whenever he was a kid and, you know, just like there was never any like ghost or not real growing up. <laughs> So you live in a ghost positive household. Very, very ghost positive. (laughs) And so um, also like media wise, like my dad was constantly reading Stephen King and we, there wasn't really a like, you can't watch scary movies or anything like that. Like we, we watched all genres. So lucky you. (laughs) In the paranormal world, I guess like everything was um, acceptable. You know, we watched unsolved mysteries. We watched the X-Files, you know, whatever. Nobody cared. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched Unsolved Mysteries with my mom as a kid. And um, yeah, let's just say that sometimes it kept me up at night. Absolutely. Th- but Does your mother know this? I guess she knew. I mean, my mom, like her, her first language is not English, right? So like it was sometimes she would like tune out in the middle of it. And I'd be there right. watching the episode with that family with the, the haunted bunk beds getting right. kicked out of the house. And... From then on, like I couldn't sleep on my back because I was scared I was going to see whatever that guy saw when he was lying on his back. I don't know if you remember the episode, but that's what got them out of the house. That's the scariest Unsolved Mysteries episode ever. So was your mom like, oh, the trench coat man is on tonight. We're watching the trench coat man? Pretty much. Okay. Okay. And like, was she like a believer? My mom? My mom's like religious, Catholic, Italian. Yeah. So like the Malocchio? Yeah, I guess some (laughs) sort of. The evil eyes out there getting you? Yeah, but, uh, and growing up, like, I believed in that stuff, too. And, uh, like, as I got older, I kind of, like, got boring. you know, kind of forgot about it and, and got more interested in UFOs and stuff. But it's always in the back of my mind. I always find that stuff interesting. And uh, in my brain, there's, like, some sort of scientific explanation for it. But um, I definitely don't want to discount what people believe and what they see, because, most of the times when I hear somebody say a ghost story, it seems sincere. Whether what they saw was the spirit of a dead person or the wind or magnetic fields or whatever, 
they saw something and it was interesting to them or scary or whatever. So it's there and it's something that I'd love to find out more about. So uh, I'm kind of curious as like, um, what sorts of like, do you have a hierarchy of like really interesting subject matter when it comes to the paranormal? Like, are you just like, like you were mentioning ghosts, like are ghosts like the tops for you and then like uh, other creatures and like UFOs, like, is there a hierarchy going on or are you kind of just like love it all equally? Um, my ghosts are definitely at the top. I, I have what my husband probably thinks was like an amazing tolerance for ghost stories because like <laughs> I will watch hours upon hours of the stupidest ghost shows ever. Like, and it's not because I believe any of it. I just like, uh, Angela was saying like the stories, no matter how absurd they are, like they, there's so much actual fear and like realism in them where like literally every other type of paranormal is a little bit easier for me to be like, no, you're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm pretty skeptical about everything. My husband will also say like, he will get scared. Like, Oh, um, you know, after watching those people like, Oh, I'm, I'm so, you know, that's got me thinking that, you know, everything's a ghost and I'm just like, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So, and I'm the first person, like, you know, there's a bump or whatever in the night and I'm just like, whatever, it's a cat or it's this, it's that, like, I I will write everything off, but the stories, like the stories are so interesting and you can tell that the people actually believe them. So even if you have a crappy investigator doing it, I want to hear the story that they're telling about where they're at. I don't really care what their EVPs say or whatever. (laughs) Well, you're, you, you hit the nail on the head with like the crappy investigators. A lot of the shows about ghosts and stuff on TV just make me crazy because it's people looking through night vision goggles at like dust particles and stuff and they're losing their marbles. But uh, you're right. I agree with you 100%. The stories are what makes ghost stories so interesting. So ghosts, uh, I, I feel like you're kind of talking about like the, the tradition of like storytelling. I feel like it's what is uh, attracting you most, um, to a lot of these tales. And I feel like, um, really like the field lives and dies by, uh, the stories being told by the people who experience these things. So I think it's very interesting that you like disregard the sort of like the structure in which the story is being told and actually just zero in on the storyteller instead. I mean, I am an English major, so. <laughs> uh, but given that, like, um, so what draws you into a podcast? Like, what makes a podcast like a must listen for you um, based on a number of factors, right? So the idea, like, for example, like you were, you were referencing like the, the No Sleep Book Club and like there's a bunch of other um, podcasts that kind of specialize in, you know, creepy crawly stories that um, ring true with a lot of different people and a lot of like listener submitted stories too that sort of uh, keep the machine going. So I'm kind of curious for you, like, what makes a good paranormal podcast? I listen to so many, so I feel like I'm, like, not judgmental <laughs> at all. I mean, you guys have seen my number. I have way too many <laughs> subbed podcasts. That's true, and, actually. <laughs> yeah. What's the number up to now? Um, 167. <laughs> Whoa. Um, and, like, thematically, I would say 70% are paranormal or horror based so um growing up in the paranormal positive household as you said um i really zoned in and found a love for horror fiction really early um and then the other 30 percent are probably science fiction (laughs) i'm just a sucker for um 
any kind of story that scares me. And the No Sleep Book Club came from, I mean, really No Sleep, the actual like subreddit. subreddit and yeah. their, their podcast I found towards the end of the first season, way back in 2011, 2012 or whatever. Um, they're what made me even find podcasts at all. Okay, so you've really? been on, on podcasts for a while as well. Exactly. I mean, I started listening to them because I was, you know, reading the subreddit like crazy. I love all the creepypasta stories and the the premise of, you know, everybody's supposed to treat this like this is real. Um, well, what I love about that is that it's kind of like the understood convention, right? Like, you know that it's fake, but everyone kind of treats it as real. It's kind of like this, like, really fun game. Like, when you're a kid, and I don't know, maybe I was a weird kid, but, like, I love to scare <laughs> myself. So I feel like it's kind of continuation of that. Like, everyone kind of, it's like a gentleman's agreement that you all agree that it kind of, like, exists in the space that could be real. Probably isn't, but could be. Exactly. And then, um, I mean, it's just recently here, last year, uh, Jessica McAvoy over there, um, one of the voice actors started the book club. Um, and we were on Goodreads for a few months and I really enjoyed, you know, getting to read the, we don't just read no sleep, um, authors. We take a vote every month, but we try to always include them in our choices. So we pick them quite often. And I was really liking having, you know, another forum to talk to people about reading the stories. And, um, we just kind of, we moved over to Facebook and the group's kind of blown up pretty big and, I've met uh, even more people through that. So it's pretty it's, cool. It's amazing how you, you meet people through these interests now so easily. I just, we always are astounded by the amount of people we've met just because of this little podcast we do. Uh, uh, like people like you, I feel like a PBS show. Uh, but uh, it's, it's something like that. That's, that's amazing. And it's funny though, uh, something I learned because of this podcast and I don't know if you'll think less of me for it, but I had not heard about creepypastas until Brian introduced me to them in an episode we did early on in Double Density. And like, weren't you like, like afraid of some of them when you started getting into them? So <laughs> I, yeah. So the first thing, the first one I read uh, after I got my, uh, my iPad. Uh, so this is like July. So uh, pretty much a year ago was, uh, was it Drowned Ben? Is that the? It's Ben Drowned, yeah. Ben Drowned, uh, the, the Zelda one. And that one is really freaky because it, it has like also audio cues and video things included with it. And um, that one, uh, speaking of no sleep, uh, kept me up. They have some really good audio. <laughs> um, and I mean, I guess back to like what makes a good show. Like I, I listen to stories on all ends. So like now that no sleep's been around for they're starting their 11th season, like their audio quality is amazing but i also listen to lots of podcasts that are just like the one that i'm going to be creating where you know it's a bunch of people who are figuring themselves out and don't have the funds to create uh the production that no sleep can now but that's the fun about podcasting is that with just minor investment you can get your voice out there and it can become successful. And then with success, like I was saying before, you know, you start with a Blue Yeti mic and then you move up to like uh, uh, a Shure SMB7 and have like the same quality audio that uh, NPR has and you get some amazing stories out of it and you can actually get it to more and more and more people. It's pretty incredible. Angela, I have a very quick question as a side note. Uh, have you read the book, The Secret? No, I have not. 
and I don't believe in the secret. Well, yet you keep bringing out the mic that you wish to have in your life over and over as like part of your <laughs> mood vision board. So I feel like maybe you're you're doing this to us tonight. Well, Brian, uh, my birthday's in October. You have plenty of time to save up. Uh, and that's why I'm going to start a Kickstarter, um, <laughs> mostly so I can hand out your phone number for like 500 bucks or whatever. And then that'll be my wedding present to you. Yeah. <laughs> In a your weird game. Like, would, your future wife, your current fiance will not be very happy about that. I think she'll be okay with it, actually. Really? Well, we've been, we ourselves have been kicking around the idea of a podcast um, based on like several really weird Degrassi-like um, teen shows that aired in Canada that we want to watch together. So You're going to podcast cheat on me? Uh, it's more like, uh, man, that's tough because like it, she is the person that I'm with, right? That's and you true. are the it's, person that I talk to. Yeah. Huh. It's very complicated. It's very, really, very complicated. You got to change your relationship status on Facebook. <laughs> to just uh, very, very confused about audio. Given the fact that you live in a uh, ghost positive environment growing up, I was kind of curious, like, have you had any paranormal-ish experiences happen to you growing up or either, you know, as a child or as an adult that kind of have drawn you in even more to um, this realm? I don't think I have anything that I 60% believe is, is real. <laughs> That's like, still more than zero. Right. Like, I've had some weird situations. Um, my husband and I were um, playing a playstation a long time ago and um the house that we lived in was my grandfather's house um he built it he died in it hopefully there was some like living between the building and the dying though (laughs) you know so my grandmother didn't want to live there anymore after he passed away so we were renting it from her and you know that whole house like it was just old and creepy anyways and there was literally a door that we took off the hinges because it wouldn't stay closed (laughs) Oh boy. <laughs> Angela's dream so, house. Yeah. Whether drafts or, you know, the fact that the house is old, whatever, we like scave up and took the door off the hinges. Um, but the PlayStation um literally just like flew off the table. Whoa. So, I don't know. <laughs> it was a broken fan. One of those really powerful old PS1 fans. No, it was yeah. like a PS3. Oh, PS3, yeah. Even pow- more powerful fans. <laughs> and it still worked after that. It didn't break it. But my grandfather was a very um, super, super religious man. He only had uh, church preacher channels were the only thing that were ever allowed to play in his in his house. He had no other technology in his house when he was alive. He very strict religious person. So, so the notion of bringing in like a... a- forsaken <laughs> so, playstation yeah were you playing like devil right. may cry so the fact on there that or something? we're playing like a shooter game in the middle of his house <laughs> i'm pretty sure would piss him off enough to throw it off the table you know what an ideal game for that would have been it would have been like a like a heavy rain or something really just the big moral questions you need to ask yourself somebody calling out jason jason <laughs> i mean there was lots of like so there was the door and then there was that and there was a shed that had the same problem like we would prop the shed door closed like we used a tire and <laughs> freaking things still came open but i mean i can't say 100 percent that any of that was anything but it it makes sense but it was you're pointing just... towards you're pointing towards something you're not necessarily it is that but it could be that what I, what I love is that you grew up in this ghost positive house and you're like a total skeptic. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it would be really cool if it was my grandfather. Not that I'm like happy that I pissed him that off. He's just angry with you at your like life choices. <laughs> but like, despite his like strict religious nature, he was a really good hearted person and like really silly. So like, 
he wouldn't have angrily slapped anything off the table. Maybe a cosmic joke on too far. Maybe he thought he was being silly, but really it was just a little too strong touch. Right. And I mean, it didn't break. So right. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. I've, I've never had anything happen to me. Unfortunately, my mom would tell some weird ghost stories sometimes, but nothing ever happened like to, to you. Yeah. She, she would sit you down and tell you things. Well, speaking of grandfathers, she was, I remember this is years and years ago. Uh, so my grandfather died when I was quite young and he was young. He was like in his sixties, I think when he passed away. And, uh, there was like a church service somewhere in his, in his honor. And my mom didn't know about it. And, uh, apparently she felt like something tugging at her leg. And then somebody called her that same day and said, oh, at this time, uh, they were talking about your father at this church. And it was like at the same time that she felt that on her leg, apparently. Now I could be totally misremembering this, but Hey, uh, that's the memory I have of it. Is your mom coming on the podcast? She is not going to come on the podcast, no. I feel like mine would, but then she would just derail the entire conversation, so I don't want that to happen. <laughs> oh, no. Brian, what are you doing with your life? Well, and just more so, like, I used to have a college radio show, and I invited her on for Mother's Day one day, and then she showed up with a uh, heavy, because I had a, ostensibly it was like a heavy metal show, but I kind of just played whatever I wanted, and so she showed up with a multi-page quiz that she was going to quiz me on, on, like, heavy metal stuff that she found on the internet. So I feel like she'd pull the same move uh, with this podcast. One of these days, we're going to have to put one of your old episodes in our feed, or just uh, some of the stuff you talked to. Brian spent, like, three hours once talking about conspiracy theories. Oh, yeah. And like opening up all the fake phone lines and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> very inspired by our bell. Yeah, very much so. I mean, like it was, it was a kind of a takeoff. And like we only had one phone number there anyways, but we would have like 10 different lines we'd say. And then no one would call in because who cares? Uh, thanks for that, Angelo. Yeah. And I were feeling a sense of ego. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm kind of curious. Uh, and this question is for both of you. Like what makes a good no sleep or a good creepy boss? Like what? kind of like um, parts of the story need to be there in order for it to be sort of like a really, really great one. Like, is it the, the, the believability factor? Is it like the idea of like the experience being described as something that you yourself have lived? So I'm kind of curious to pick your brains about like what makes a good uh, no sleep or like a good creepy pasta to you. I think it's the believability. I mean, not necessarily that it's something that I relate to, but something that you can see people doing or people reacting um, in ways that seem realistic. There's nothing that makes me stop a horror movie or a horror show or a story faster than somebody making a completely stupid decision. Like there's just no way that's right. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. What about you, D'Angelo? I like it when everyday things become um, strange. That's why I like Ben Drown so much because this guy bought a used copy of Zelda and it ended up being something completely different. The way they made that story, like with the writing and all the audio and video stuff, I like when they kind of stay indie. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't like Slenderman stuff anymore because that's just uh, like way too mainstream. Slenderman sold out and uh, <laughs> presented by Subway. Yeah, exactly. I also like psychological stuff when there's nothing physical happening and it's all in the person's head. That stuff creeps me out as well. Because you've had experiences like that yourself? <laughs> Not really. Uh, no, my, my, the extent of my experiences are the sleep paralysis stuff I've had. Which is like, when, when, when was your last episode? It was a few months ago, right? I think we talked about it on the show briefly. I think so, yeah. Because I, I really haven't had it too much. Uh, I started exercising and eating well, like what, six or seven years ago? And since then, I, I've only had it once or twice. I did have a nightmare 
I guess it was like a couple of days ago. It was weird because I thought I was awake. It's one of those like where you think you're awake and something goes completely wrong, but instead I woke up my entire family because I was having a nightmare. So uh, that's uh, things that happen to me every once in a while. I do have uh, night terrors, but no, I haven't had any sleep paralysis other than that one experience just in the last year or so. So did your kid like come running to you? My kid was like, is it time to wake up? <laughs> oh, God. They, they, they're light sleepers, and my son seems to have nightmares like I do. Oh, so it's a genetic thing. Great. Yeah, it's awesome. We're going to have like a teenage <laughs> boy screaming his head off. Great. That, that plus like the hormones will make for a really interesting household to live in. I'm glad that I don't live there. This year we're going, like my son's been to Disney World three times, but he was nine months old, one year old, and two years old when he's been. So he hasn't really experienced it yet. This year is the year he's going to get to experience most of the ride because he's over 40 inches tall. And one of the first rides we're taking him on is the Tower of Terror. Do you think that's a good idea? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> it might ruin the entire trip. <laughs> uh, my daughter ended up having nightmares after the ride. And, and funny enough, it wasn't the, the, like the tower drop thing that scared her. I didn't know this when I went on Tower of Terror, but there's this whole preamble to it where like you're in the Twilight Zone, you're in this haunted hotel and you see all these ghosts and they're realistic looking. It's really incredible. I mean, it's obviously it's Disney. They do an amazing job at that stuff. And um, I'm not sure how well he's going to sleep after that. We'll see. I'll let you know in August. Wow. This is like a social experiment, like a live and direct right here. Yeah. Uh, my poor son. <laughs> Scare a four and a half year old. So uh, when do you start making him watch Unsolved Mysteries? Uh, we've talked about this, but... I'm going to keep pushing for it. Well, because there's so many options for stuff for kids to watch, they don't have to be stuck watching like adult shows, even though they're kids. Um, I don't think my kids would do well with Unsolved Mysteries. Right. So you let them watch Logan Paul instead, you monster. No, no, no. They do not watch Logan Paul. That's even more scary than Soul Mysteries. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so let's get to the the one article we uh, linked to in the show notes uh, this week. Um, so it's a story out of the Independent uh, over in the UK. And it's the fact that NASA is now claiming that they have discovered organic matter on Mars. Uh, so I'm kind of curious because this kind of sparked this whole um, discussion between us about the idea of, like, what is alien life really? Well, I, I thought it was kind of funny that when uh, I put this in notes, uh, this is the one that came back with like a little comment on the side that said, well, dead bacteria isn't exactly abducting people, is it? And I retorted with, maybe it is. Who knows if the greys are not like just giant bacteria with their little mouths and all that. Here we go again with the mouths, dude. Oh, <laughs> so terrifying. Those mouths, right? They're the worst. And then, of course, uh, certain friends of ours send me pictures of that stupid face from communion. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with this one. Uh, so let us begin with the idea that uh, uh, alien life doesn't necessarily mean intelligent alien life, right? Of course, exactly. Uh, the stuff on Mars they're finding is just um, a small step towards the possibility of there having actually been life on Mars at one point, be it intelligent or not. The interesting thing is, is if the the planet one over from us has life on there, then this already the chances are were extraordinarily high that there's life in the universe, right? I think the three of us here can agree that there's probably life out there, right? Oh, it's yes. somewhere. <laughs> yes. And and the question always is 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 that life visiting us? I like to to lean towards probably not and the UFOs people see are something else. But I leave the possibility open because it's definitely possible because people have seen some weird, weird, weird stuff. 
Um, but even like moons of other planets, like Europa and Titan, there's strong possibility of life on those planets because there's a lot of liquid on there. That's very true. And I mean, like any sign of, of some kind of liquid, like a water-like substance, usually indicates some uh, level of bacteria existing, right? So maybe that um, octopus story from a couple of weeks ago does have some legs or eggs, depending which way you want to see it. Eight of them. <laughs> but yeah, I think like there's a lot of like, and and I think you guys agree with this, the, the idea of like the classic science fiction literature, right? like the idea of the bacteria um, infecting people and making them act in different ways. Like, you know, the sort of related like an invasions of the body snatchers kind of thing, right? Where the, they're pod people, but the pod grew out of bacteria. Yeah, that's true. So I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I do want to believe. And once again, Angela, you're uh, really bad. Um, pragmatic skepticism has crushed my dreams and desires to want to um, think about a, a land uh, film with alien beings that are not greys, but loving people who want to hold and hug us. They're just bacteria that want to infect you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. But you know, they can't give us any nice kisses with those little tiny mouths of theirs though. Man, that is. <laughs> you know what? I hope so you have gross. a. Honey, I, I hope you have a nightmare based on that tonight, dude. Yeah, although there's that guy who was abducted by UFOs and uh, they, uh, what's it, Love and Saucers? Is that the name? Yeah, of the movie? David Huggins. Yeah, <laughs> Huggins. I love that his name is Huggins. They hugged and kissed him. <laughs> uh, so my podcast co-host is approximately 14 years old and uh, is going to terrify his child. Uh, well, at Disney World, so things are looking on the up and up for you. But yeah, it, it's a very good point. I mean, like we talked about, you know, I don't know, like seven or eight episodes ago about the Raelians, right? And their whole idea of like uh, intergalactic uh, f- tomfoolery of a physical nature. So like that's that's not unheard of, right? No, not at all. And I mean, like a lot of different abduction stories do have like different ways of sort of uh, describing physical intimacy of, in different ways. And uh, does the Mona, what's your stance on UFOs? Do you have any sort of idea what they are? I know you said ghosts are like your favorite, but uh, we always like to talk about UFOs here. And do you have any sort of like theories about them at all? Since I do uh, research for the mad scientists, I, you know, kind of agree with him on the views. Like I, it'd be really cool if they're real, but it's probably something that we, in our heads. (laughs) I don't know. Like, I'm along the same lines as Chris with that stuff too. Uh, but I like to leave it open. Yeah, I would really like. It'd be. I mean, it's it's kind of tied between it'd be really cool and super terrifying. If yep, yeah. yep, yep. <laughs> because if they can do that, they can do anything. I'm kind of curious for you, Desmond. Like, what is the threshold that you need in order to believe that they exist? Like, you need a landing, you need like verifiable proof that like a saucer um, has hit Earth's surface, and like there there are beings exiting the craft. Like, that's kind of where it is for you. Like, that's the baseline of what you need in order to be like, yep, they're here. Probably. I mean, I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> and I mean, I know that there's like a lot of people who have stories, but. There's not a lot of people that have evidence that their stories are true. <laughs> right. Right. So like maybe like a waving UFO, like, a, like if you saw a saucer and there's like a little being waving at you, you that's like your, your baseline. Yeah. I mean, I grew up um, 20 minutes away from the Cash Landrum incident. Oh, wow. Oh. So you'd think I would have seen something by now. <laughs> that's a good and scary one, too, because people got hurt from that one. Oh, man. What? So, Angelo, uh, I wanted 
to say that I do believe that I want you to believe. So therefore one day it shall happen. Just like your, your secret mood board. Like I want you to put the mic up. I want you to put like a little saucer up. Like that's what I want to see the next time I'm over there. Yeah. What, like a crazy board of, of, uh, of UFOs. Yeah. Like daddy's belief board. Yeah. My kids are going <laughs> to think I'm insane. <laughs> oh really? Cause they don't already think that a little <laughs> Maybe bit. Maybe not A little bit. Uh, my daughter hasn't come down to tell me I'm being loud tonight. So that's always good. Oh man. You're being policed by your own kids. So he's going to have a microphone, a UFO, a ghost. <laughs> yeah. Happy Disney Father's World. Day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so wrapping things up, Desdemona, where can people find you on the internet? Trying to make everything a little bit easier to find me in places. So Desdemona with a Y, D-S-D-Y-M-O-N-A. You should be able to find me on most every platform um, at that. So You're quite delightful on Twitter and you have amazing drawings. And uh, one of my favorites was the one you made of me uh, holding <laughs> an iPod uh, and listening to a podcast. It was quite cute. Thank you. It is uh, the ever eternal image that they're going to put on your video grave. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> what, what, what a horrible thing to say. No, no. It's it'll, it's decades from now, right? I said video grave. So that's like oh, yeah. decades and decades Hollow from grave. now. Hollow right? grave. There you go. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so the Calling Darkness podcast, also uh, TBD, but soonish. Soonish, yeah. Calling podcast on Twitter. And in the meantime, you're going to be doing a little bit of uh, voice acting here and there um, ahead of time. Yeah. Um, you can hear me sing a creepy little jingle over at the Cursed Inn. Um, they haven't released an episode in a while, but on their most recent episode, um, you can hear me on that. Um, and I have some things that are upcoming, but I don't have specific dates. So, um, you know, listen to Sarina side and Mindfire whenever that one comes out. And we can hear, uh, your research being, uh, put into work on, uh, the Bad Scientist podcast, as well as, uh, the Our Strange Skies podcast, right? Yep. Yes, you can. <laughs> Perfect. And you can find Double Density over on Twitter, double underscore density, facebook.com slash double density podcast. The same thing on Instagram. Head on over to our website at doubledensity.net to catch all of the latest uh, information. And if this is your first episode of Double Density, welcome. You can head on over to the site and figure out how to uh, subscribe to us. We're on all, I pretty much say like all major platforms at this point, right, Angelo? Yeah, I've said it before, but if you're on Apple Podcasts, everybody else sort of gets the their feeds from that anyway. So yeah, you're just type in Double Density Podcast into the Googles and you'll find this. You sound almost defeated in saying that. Yeah, just use the internet and find it, I guess. Yeah, I'm so difficult. <laughs> I, you know, I'm a podcast purist. You can't listen to this podcast on YouTube, although Brian's eventually going to start putting it there. So you might be listening to YouTube right now. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, sometime down the line, though. But uh, it is something that I want to work with. Yeah, you get real heated about people on YouTube, and we've talked about it a couple of times. <laughs> I don't know. YouTube yeah. is for videos. Maybe you're such a snob about this. I know. I'm terrible. Podcasts are only to be listened to on po- on iPods. <sighs> I, I want to hang up. I so want to hang up on this call. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, this has been episode 60 of the Double Density Podcast. Tune in next week as we look at cannibal killers. Are they voracious murderers or just a bunch of really, really hungry folks? Angelo Desdemona, it's been a pleasure. I will see you soon. See you, Brian. See ya. So I'm going to quickly read a, uh, a little bio of yours. So Desdemona is a teacher by day and a person with too many knobbies by high. Oh boy, hobbies <laughs> by night. <laughs> I'm going to retake that. 